He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys will be joining us after the break. He is down right now preparing to talk to Rocco Mediate and Steve Stricker as they come off the golf course after their second rounds here on a beautiful day at Southern Hills. Reminder, we are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to GolfOklahoma.org. Check out all of the great content this week from Southern Hills, the KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship. Steve Stricker, KJ Choi taking the lead in this tournament on a Friday. And joining us today, friend of the show, we talk about him all the time. It's our man from Chickasha, Cody Burroughs, who's working for the golf channel this week. Cody, what's up? Glad you could take some time for us this afternoon. Excited to be here. How are you guys? Doing good, man. You claim Chickasha or Tulsa your home now? Uh, Chickasha, always. I still do too, shamefully, sometimes. I have to to explain to people. I'm I'm from southwest of here. Well, and see, that's me. Like, I was talking to Sam this morning. You know, we're in this awesome tennis center up here at Southern Hills. The hospitality's been unbelievable. And the media meals. So, I mean, we're just good old boys from Chickasha, all three of us. And they keep serving us mac and cheese, and they keep putting vegetables in it. (laughs) Spinach and artichoke in our macaroni and cheese and you know it's just maybe it's it's good for some people sam's destroying it but he's from edmund so we can talk about him while he's not here we're from chickasha i don't need vegetables in my mac and cheese personally <laughs> you're a you're a bacon hamburger meat type of guy 100 yeah, percent, absolutely but i tell you what this it, it's hard to beat this food though i mean this is no it's the, been really good and, tacos and, and, today were ooh, that taco bar it was good yeah i mean just the hospitality here and so i know you know cody you've got all kinds of, of cool stories so kind of dive into what what you were doing this week uh mr darshmas and uh, we'll make sure to uh kind of dive a little bit into why that is your nickname, uh, at least around these parts. So kind of tell everyone what you were doing today, uh, working alongside Roger Malpe. And really, every time I looked out there with the main group of uh, Goose and Ernie and Stricker, you were out there in the middle of the fairway. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Got some uh, up close and personal uh, to the action. Um, essentially, what I was doing was Maltby needs a guy to run out there and get numbers for him, for all three guys. Um, if it's, you know, in the fairway, rough, whatever, he wants to know how far it is. So I got to get out there and kind of pace it off. Um, if the green, if the green's clear, I can shoot it with a rangefinder. Uh, if not, I've got to pace it off from a sprinkler head, write it all down, give it to Roger and then radio to the booth with uh, all the numbers as well. So they can plug it into the graphic. What all numbers do you get for, for the, uh, for the booth? Yeah, just uh, the booth just wants the whole number. Roger wants front, um, and hole front of the green and hole, uh, and also how you know, deep the pin is, how far it is on the green. Um, so not too hard to calculate, but it's kind of nerve-wracking. You don't want to mess that up. I mean, it's only going to be seen by a million people. So, so here's my question. Like, you got three guys teeing off, sure. so you've got to go out and get three numbers before they get there. Mm. Have there been times – because yesterday you were with, what, VJ Singh, Mike Weir, and David Toms, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so have there been, like, times where you're, like, rushing to get these numbers and the players are kind of coming up on you? Yeah, so the first, like, four holes yesterday was – extremely nerve-wracking because uh, I just hadn't done it before. And then after that, you kind of get into a rhythm. Uh, first hole today, actually, we get out there. We watched them. Uh, we were with Stricker. Um, Ernie and Goosen. Ernie and Goosen. Uh, we watched them put out on three. Uh, went out on four. We weren't on air yet, so I got to do four. Oh, so practice. you don't you don't do anything until it's on air. Exactly. Okay. Not until it's on air. Roger tells me when to go. And so I did four for practice just for myself to get you know used to it. And then on five, uh, we had Stricker in the left rough. We had 
Uh, Goosen. Was five reachable today? It's par five. It was playing into a north wind. Yeah, uh, with a good tee ball. Okay. Goosen was greenside. Goosen got green too. I saw some people, it kind of depended on um, the length, and that's one thing that that you'd brought up, Cody, previously, is that something I noticed is the 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 dispersion between the guys who hit it far and the guys who hit it shorter because there's such a large gap. People were hitting it short at the bunkers on five and could not get there, and it seemed like the longer guys were able to take it over those trees in that left bunker and giving them a chance to to potentially get there, too, like Goosen, I guess, gave it a shot. Yeah, Goosen got up in that uh, left green side bunker, and I think got it up and down. for. Yeah, he did. He had a great bunker shot to, like, three feet. Yeah, so, but anyway, he's in the fairway. There's a ball in the bunker. I got Goosen and Ernie's ball mixed up. This is the first hole of the day, so not a good impression. So you must not have been able to see him because Ernie plays that bright yellow ball. Yeah. So you got the yeah, white well, ball the, first. Right, because the yellow okay. ball's in the bunker. And so I pace off Stricker, no problem, write it down. Pace off Goosen, no problem, write it down. And then, But I thought Goosen's ball was Ernie's. And so then I get to the bunker. I'm pacing that off. I kind of look over. Oh, that's a yellow ball. That's Ernie. So I had to scribble everything out, took it over to Rogers, like, hey, uh, can you read this? Because I had to make some <laughs> modifications to the original numbers. He's like, yeah, I think I got so it. So how's working with Maltby? How's Maltby? <laughs> He's a blast. Is he? He's just like what I thought he was going to be. Just a friendly dude, talkative. That's why he carries the mic all day. Um, you know, he jokes with the fans. Like on 10 today, we got to watch Stricker hole out when yeah. we, we were standing on 11T. Stricker <laughs> cans that ball. And uh, a fan from behind, like up on the hill, goes, what was the call on that one, Raj? And he turns around and he goes, I said he hits it really good. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. He held out. What was his number there? Do you remember his number on 10? 106. 106, yeah. and Stricker hold it out for Eagle. And that was kind of a big shot. I still want to know, and I'm hoping that uh, Sam's going to have a question to ask him. You were actually, I think, standing right there kind of near where Sam and I were at on number 7 green when Steve Stricker just absolutely sculled a bunker shot into – what we assumed was the creek, but then yeah. he goes down there and plays it, and it must have been a decent lie. It kind of even looked like it was on the upslope, and he gets it up and down for bogey. I would love to know how that ball did not wind up in water. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I caddy out here quite a bit. Um, on that particular, that was like on the back half of seven, right? Seven green. Yes. Like closer to the back yes. of green. Yeah, the, the rough down there is pretty thick. Um, and, you know, I see a lot of shots that, you know, coming not from bladed out of the bunker. I do see blades out of the bunker, but uh, <laughs> not usually shots, from Steve Stricker. Yeah, not though. from Steve Stricker. Uh, shots coming in in two that roll off the side and they stay up just because the grass is so thick. It was definitely in the penalty area, and I think he was in some muddy stuff because it looked like his ball was pretty dirty when it came out. But yeah, I, I wasn't really surprised that one stayed up. They were on the they were in our ear with the headset because somebody said Stricker in the penalty area, and. Uh, Jeff Jastro, the the guy we're working with for for NBC, was like, "100%, it's in the penalty area." And I was silent, and he goes, "100%, guys, it's in the penalty area." And that was his biggest thing: don't tell us it's in the penalty area if you're not sure. So we were kind of like, eh, "I don't know." I mean, it was. I mean, technically, I guess it was in the penalty area. It just wasn't a, right. Like he didn't have to take a drop. drop. It wasn't yeah, it was a penalty, playable. It was playable, which yeah. was a big difference because he'd have been in it in three, dropping, hitting five. And I don't know really where he would have dropped because, I mean, he would have crossed right there by the green, but you can't drop any closer to the hole. So, I mean, it, it could have been the difference in making five and making seven, that ball staying up. Yeah, that was a good break. Good yeah. break for him. Good so, break. So, whenever you're out doing this, because I think it's interesting, you know, like you play with different people and some people shoot use their range finder from the, when they're like 20 yards out from the green. You know, like yeah. kind of, So, like, what was your, like, max distance that you would have to be up there and have, like, on 40-yard shots, would you have to get a number? Like, if they had to pitch out just to the front of the green and chip, you know, what was kind of the the boundary on that yeah aspect. They, they told us you know if it's inside say 50 yards you know if it just looks like a, a a pitch shot that most people wouldn't shoot they're they're not really concerned about it um where it gets tricky is like goosen today goes left on 13 
down he, down into the creek. Goosen went way left, left on thirteen, by the yeah. way. And he he goes, uh, you know, he's he's down there just just over the creek. But you know, I'm like, do I do they really care about how far he is? So I just radioed in. I was like, I got Goosen, got L, or I got Ls, I got Stricker. Do you guys want Goosen? He's laying up definitely. And they're like, no, you're fine. So then he plays it down seventeen. He takes it over there, and I had to go uh, Stricker and uh, Ls laid up. So I had to go get their numbers. I'm running back trying to get Goosen's, and I just handed the sheet to Raj because I didn't think I was going to get Goosen's. And he goes, did you get Goosen's number? And I went, no. He's like, okay, <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> no, did you were, Did you end up going over there and shooting it, or did y'all just not have a number for Goosen yeah, on that shot? Yeah, he was already kind of at the ball, and I didn't want to get too close to disturbing. But I, I, kinda, I didn't know if you could shoot, if you had a good line to the flag through all the, the fans because, I mean, Goosen had to hit it over the head of fans because he was coming from 17 back on to 13, and yeah. there's like a walkway right there. There were a ton of people in between him and the hole. Yeah, I saw Sam's face through the rangefinder when I was trying to shoot nice. that one. Very nice. nice. <laughs> Sam's got a big head, so I'm yeah, sure he was, popped up right, right in the, the middle of that thing. So so how'd you get this gig anyway? I mean, you, you said you've caddied at Southern for a while. You played at Oral Roberts. So how'd you wind up with this gig? So Dan Griffin, <clears throat> the longtime caddy out here that everybody knows started caddying here in 1959 he caddied for uh, uh jeff jastro who is the producer nbc and they told him hey we need somebody to do this job and dan said well i want a caddy but you know if i don't get a loop i'll think about it and dan told me that story and i said dan if you get a loop please recommend me i will do that <laughs> that sounds like so much fun he goes sure so he got me in touch with jeff and then one morning i get a call from Kerry cosby and the he head pro who's playing, playing, playing in the tournament. Playing playing in the tournament. He we'll said, have some audio from him after yesterday's first round. Yeah, and he, he was like, you know, would this be something you're interested in? I was like, absolutely. He said, okay, I'll go to work on it. So I guess I have cons to think. I have a little bit of Dan to think, but pretty lucky I got it. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. Well, and it's cool because you know that if you're, if you're with the guys on the TV broadcast, then you know you're going to be following a good group. Right. They're, they're, you're not going to be out following a group of no names because those guys aren't really getting put on TV. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, Stricker, Ernie, and Goosen – about as good as it gets. Yeah, and even not you were with uh, Furick, Monty, and um, defending champion. I always forget his name. Ken Tanagawa. Tanagawa. Yeah, and so I mean that's I mean the the nine players that you got to do this job with. I mean are just legendary players. Yeah. All of them. I've got to see some pretty good golf. Yeah, it's, no doubt it's about been it. A lot of fun. Who uh, who's been the most fun player wise? You think? <clears throat> like just personality wise, or just the most fun to watch play golf? Well, Rocco Mediate was in the group in front of us today. So I was down in the fairway quite a bit, and I got to see a lot of his second shots. And I, I just thought it was hilarious watching him flick the cigar out of his mouth as he's—that's part of his pre-shot routine almost. Like he flicks the ball or the cigar as he's walking up to the ball. So, it's, so, it's, okay, it's like the so, Phil Club twirl, you know, before he hits the ball, he's yeah, got to flick the cigar yeah. out. So we got to put Cody on the spot because yesterday we were talking about we're going to give out an award Sunday night for cool guy of the week, and mm. Tyler and Sam were both saying it's probably Miguel and Hel Jimenez, and I said Rocco Mediate, sneaky cool guy of the week. He's wearing joggers. Uh, Faraday called him uh, ankle grabbers on the broadcast he's, earlier. He's got Jordans on. He's, he's got Jordans. high top. Jordans yeah. over his joggers. He's got sunglasses on his hat. His shirt has not been tucked in either day, and he's got a stogie in his mouth all week. I, sneaky cool guy of the week is Rocco Mediate. Uh, I would agree. I think we give it. How's how's it Mediate playing? Uh, he was under par earlier. I can pull up the uh, the leaderboard and see where he's at. But he was he was under par through twelve holes today. I think. 
Yeah, I, I had it pulled up just one second. Um, you know, Cody, and also uh, kind of dive into this a little bit, Cody. Not even before this job earlier this week during the pro am on Tuesday, um, you're looping uh, double bagging in the yeah. morning with Bernhard Langer's group. Yeah, and then in the afternoon you were single bagging <laughs> in uh, Scott Verplank's group. So I mean, so now that's eleven players. So kind of dive into what that uh, Tuesday experience was yeah. like for you. So uh, obviously double bagging is not very fun, but it was pretty cool. That for, for those who don't know, double bagging is exactly yeah. what it sounds like. You put one bag over each shoulder and. Yeah. you yeah. Carry these amateur bags around and all day. Hope on it's not Mister and Mrs. Havocamp from Caddyshack that you're getting <laughs> for. But oh, uh, good golly, I'm hot today. <laughs> oh, Rocco's uh, minus three, tie two, right yeah. behind Stricker. Oh, Stricker's on eighteen. Stricker's on eighteen right now. He uh, he actually birdied seventeen. Rocco, or, how about bog- these? Bogeyed seventeen. I'm sorry, Stricker. Did. How about these birdies on the back for Rocco? Uh, all pars on the back except for three birdies. Birdied twelve. Birdied sixteen. Birdied eighteen. Is that any Ooh. good at Southern Hills? That's My nasty. Man, he held it from the bunker on 16. He did. That was an awesome shot. Yeah. Same bunker Darren Clark held out of. I told Taylor and Sam, I was like, that must be a really easy bunker shot. Yeah, it it seems like everybody's just laying up into the bunker and holding it for birdie. Yeah. I think no, that pin was 11 on, so that's kind of a short side, too. It was. Just and, taking and, 60 degrees and, and throwing it up there close. And that was a 480-yard par 4, dead, almost in dead into, into the, the wind. wind. Yeah, yeah so, it's a tough hole. What, um, were you able to make it back to, to 17 at all? It looked like they had the tee moved up a little bit there. Were people trying to drive it? Yeah, I think uh, the number today was... 269 from that box, so 270. Uh, no, we didn't get back there. We're, we're on 16, and, and Raj goes, hey, uh, this is going to be our last hole, and I want to get out of here, so don't run down 17. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I was watching it a little bit on the TV whenever I came in for lunch. Steven Leaney, who's T8 at uh, one under par for the tournament, he did try to drive 17 green. He hit the driver. His ball landed four feet left of the pin. Made mm-hmm. a big divot. Just trickled over the back. Absolutely flubbed the chip and then ended up uh, two-putting from 40 feet for par. So it, it's, you know, you can try to drive that green, but kind of like Leany did, you played out here a bunch. You get yeah. over that green on 17, and the green runs away from you. Even into the wind today, that grass also grows back into you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize how much, you know, just the mowing of the grain around the greens, just how much more difficult that makes chipping. Yeah, it's huge. I was telling Taylor earlier, I was like, I see more – pickups on 17 than, than you would imagine just catting out here day to day because guys get over that green it's so into the grain and the, the the green surface is almost you know uh at your eye level too you're you're down a pretty good slope back there so it's That's hard to Perry maxwell special yeah and then you get on the green and it runs away from you so it's it's hard to fly it up there because it's into the grain you can't really bump it because it grabs rolling it's no good if you figure out how to play it, let me know. David Tom's well, you know, hit a good one yesterday on 17. I, that was phenomenal. He had a little zipper at about three feet. And, you know, so I, I stopped by the green and I watched because I spent a lot of time there yesterday because um, during on Wednesday when we were out there looking around Cody, um, we were trying to, um, you know, figure out, you know, how were we going to play this hole. And with the way they had the ropes set up, and I completely agree with the way they set it up um, for the day, um, The they had the pin on the left, so it was a lot better um, viewership standpoint. Now they – and also, too, because they moved the tees up, they're going to put the pin on the right so allows the balls to run up just a little bit more Correct. and it also eliminates the you know if you pull it 10 yards you're going to kill someone that type of thing <laughs> so you know I think that um that's the reason that I was I'm not watching 17 as much today even though like I want to see how it is as a driver hole it just you know with the pin being like 50 yards away um just because of the ropes um makes it um tricky but in in, in and even if you miss on that right side like for example if you hit it uh, just right of the green and the um, into that right bunker mm-hmm. I mean that's not going to be a very fun shot at all um I seemed like I saw a little bit of mix some people were hitting like um, what would you have to hit like a five iron off that tee box I mean, it, it was listed yeah. Okay. On TV, they had a 269 on the card. Yeah. So nice. that's – and most of these guys hit five irons, probably, what, 180 for most yeah. of these guys? That probably. had to have been on purpose, 269. 
Oh, it had to have been. They could have moved that pin a yard a yard further back, but wouldn't have been nearly or the as tea fun. box. Wouldn't have been nearly as fun. Yeah. Could have moved the tea box back. Yeah, speaking that's no fun. Of, that's not that intentional. Speak a couple of things I saw today that I, that I want to say were interesting. Before I, I got one more question for you, Cody. Um, I saw um, a, a gentleman on number nine after Ernie hit his tee shot. Um, the tee had kind of went flying up and it landed next to the volunteer. And the guy asked, "Hey, can I have that tee of Ernie L's?" And gave it. Uh, and the volunteer gave it to him. And I could not. T- I mean, this guy was so happy. It was unbelievable. I mean, just and just to know that the little things like that can make such a difference out here really is really makes me happy. And we were talking about um, earlier about moving it back on one hole on number nine. This just kind of goes to show how into it these guys are. Bernhard Langer on nine because I guess he was trying to hit it short of the bunker. Hit a three wood and. Um, he did not use a tee, and I'm telling you, he purposely put it in, like, a bad lie. Like, it was not sitting up at all, and to hit down on it, and he just flighted it perfectly. And but and he also took the two full club links behind <laughs> the uh, the tee box. So, I mean, That's just, some strategy uh, golf. Well, I was going to tell you guys, from being with him the, the in the Pro-Am, he's probably the most meticulous person I've ever seen. I mean, on, on the first tee of the day, I mean, number one's a 450-yard hole, and he's pacing off, like, three paces from the box in all different directions. And I'm like, what is he doing? So I asked his caddy, I said, what were you guys talking about on, on number one, like on the box? And he goes, well, there's a T marker and we can't really figure out where it is. And he was just trying to get the number. Oh, okay. It's 450 yards. Number? Yeah, exact number. <laughs> 450 yards, straight downhill, downwind. And he wanted to know exactly how far it was. That's awesome. And he, I watched him too on, on 18. He dropped probably eh, – 10 balls out there and was just hit chip shots from every single possible angle, trying to see how the ball react out of, out of the rough, out of the fairway, on the green from different angles, reading the breaks. Then he broke out the putter. I mean, he spent probably 20 minutes on the 18 green, waved two groups through That's in the awesome. practice round. Wow. It's That's awesome. <clears throat> very meticulous. That, when, goes, that goes to show how the 62-year-old is still contending. Yeah, it's 63, actually. It'll be, 63. Six, it'll be 64 in August. Um, yeah, you don't want to be long of these greens out here because a lot mm-hmm. of them pitch back to front. Retief Goosen mm-hmm. was just over the green on nine today, couldn't even keep his chip on the top level, and then three-putted from the bottom. And basically, I mean, he was 30 feet away from the pin in two shots, but he was in the wrong position, right. and he ended up walking away with double bogey. I know he was disappointed with that. Yeah, there's just places on this golf course you can't hit it and it's it's you know it's it's like that with your tee shots you know on there's certain sides of fairway that are better but primarily around the greens I mean you, you just can't be long on greens yeah. like 9 18 4 it, you've just got to be in the right spots because you know 30 feet doesn't mean much if you're like you said if you can't stop it yeah exactly. I mean you just sometimes you just can't stop it yeah how is the because uh, like you said you've caddied out here a lot Cody how is the course uh how they change the setup compared to you know member play versus the uh, the tournament setup yeah there's a lot more rough out there um, and I think Do they that, narrow the fairways or just let the rough grow a little bit? Uh, they narrowed a few, like uh, 16 kind of down the right, close to the green. They've, they've let it grow up a little bit. Um, but the, the biggest thing I noticed today were the greens. Um, they firmed them up quite a bit. And I, my understanding is they can do that with that system they've yeah. got underneath now. Which got rain last night. It didn't matter. They yeah. can take the sub air and suck all the moisture out. That kind of yeah. goes above my head. I don't know how that works. But, yeah, that's that's kind of the biggest thing. It's a lot more rough, and the greens are a lot firmer. Yeah, so here's my question. You've been out here, and you saw the condition that this course was in about four weeks ago. We had a brutal winter mm. in the state of Oklahoma. We had a week where it was sub-freezing temperatures. There was a foot of snow on the ground. It was just a, a – 
cataclysmic winter yeah. here in the state of Oklahoma, and golf courses all over the state are paying the price. And Southern Hills, a month ago, did not look like what Southern Hills looks like today. So what did it look like a month ago, and how much do you know about what all went into getting it into the championship condition it's in now? Yeah, so I want to, let me get my timeline straight here. Um, I think uh, about middle of March is when – you know, the, the kind of the grass was starting to turn green, and we kind of noticed, hey, there's some winter kill out there. And, you know, at first they tried to do a few things to get that grass kind of kind of going, and I, I guess it didn't work. And uh, they eventually just said, we're going to rip it up and, and put sod down. And so that was kind of – I was like, oh, is this going to be ready? <laughs> and then they acted like, yeah, oh, it'll be it'll be completely fine. I'm like, I don't know. And uh, sure enough, I mean, you can – Definitely tell where they sodded because it's, you know, it looks like little Band-Aids out there. But looks great, though. It came in perfect. Uh, I mean, they must use the best sod and, on the planet. And quickly. It came in quick. I mean, they, they were putting sod down, uh, you know, close to two and a half weeks ago. You That's know, because some of the sodded areas are right by the crosswalks and even that. And literally the only difference in the grass is the color of it. Yeah, I mean, and, it's and the it's, same it's, cut, same everything. And it's, it's not perfect. even that vast of a difference. I mean, they still no, no, look. No. I mean, it's just a little, little bit, different yeah. shade of green. But, I mean, this, there's no seams. No, as no far seams. As I can tell. That's what I was worried about because they sodded a lot of areas yeah. around the around the greens. And, and around bunkers, too. Yeah. I just I can't believe there are no sod seams. I don't yeah. I don't know how you make those go away that quick. Uh, I mean, I guess you have technology and a little bit of funds to, to dive into. What I learned from it was don't question Russ. The Ross Myers, yeah, phenomenal. yeah, and we got we'll have some audio from from Kerry Cosby after the break. He alluded to that after his post round because I asked him, you know, how because it's a unique experience when you're the the director of golf for a course that hosts a major championship and you get to play in the major championship. So yeah. you know, you get to see exactly how the course was played. So he had some phenomenal stuff um, there um, for all of our listeners, and we'll get to play that after the break. And so you know, Darsh, just kind of to to sum it up a little bit, you know, what. Um, if you had to pick one thing that either was your favorite part about today so far, and obviously you're still going to do this the next two days, um, you know, what's your favorite thing about it, or what's um, uh, hashtag secrets of the pros? What's something you learned from the great players that you got to see out there these last few days? Um, I again, I think um, like kind of like the way Bernhard was, how meticulous these guys are, and um, you know how how good their distance control is, making sure they're on the right tier. Um, you know, like Colby alluded to, you, you want to be on the right tier on these greens. Playing away from flags sometimes. Yeah, I saw exactly. a lot of that yesterday. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the disc distance control is impeccable because there's some undulation out here, and especially the wind. We had a completely different wind yesterday than we did today. and From southwest to basically yeah, dead out of the north. Yeah, the, go, go, go into that a little bit more, Cody. I mean, you played this course how many ever times, you know, especially in college. I mean, how much different is this course with a south wind versus a north wind? And which um, wind's easier? I think a south wind is easier. That's kind of what Cosby and for Plank were alluding to yesterday. I think the course sets up better for a south wind. Um, I mean, it's close, though, because both, par, well, fives, you'll, you'll both have a, par fives run right, south, south to north. Right. So when the wind's out of the south, both par fives play downwind. Correct. Like, like, not reachable for a lot of guys uh, today. Like 13 yesterday, I didn't see anybody that didn't go for it unless they missed no, the No, everybody did. And today, uh, you know, Els and Stricker and Goose are probably – Goosen was out of position, but, you know, L is one of the longest guys in the field. He had to lay up. You know, the only guy uh, I saw go for it was K.J. Choi. K.J. Choi cleared it in two. He didn't get to the green, though. He had to pitch up from the tightly mown area and ended up getting it up and down for Brady. Uh, is that I got, did I get the name yeah. right this time? Ken yeah, Tanigawa. Tanigawa. I, I'm horrible with, with names that start with T, even though my name's with Taylor, so that's kind of weird. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, he, I saw that he went for it. He was actually on the upslope there. So, did um, he make it? 
Uh, I think he did. Yeah, he okay. walked after it like like he loved it. And uh, I mean, just just the fact, like you said, Cody, how meticulous these guys are. And you know, my next question for you would be: Is that from what I've seen on a lot of holes, they've they've kind of tucked some of the pins in, in in some places. Do you think that there's a lot more holes out there with some more kind of? Do you think they'll be able to set the pins harder over the weekend than they have the first two days? Um, I I didn't get to. To look too close at a lot of the pins today, but yeah, there's plenty of places on these greens where they can tuck them. And it's like I was telling you guys in the practice round, the bunkers kind of kick everything to the middle of the greens. I mean, you'll like four, for example, uh, green slopes severely back to front, and then you get close to those front bunkers, and the green starts to kind of go the other way. So it's deceiving to look at it where you're seeing, okay, this is kind of going right, but everything's going left. And yeah. So, yeah, there's there's some tricky spots on these greens where they can put these pins that would not only make it hard to get to, but hard to read the putts uh, around the hole. And if correct me if I'm wrong, Cody, but what you said, the se- the caddy secret around here is, you know, kind of read the greens with the way the bunkers slope. I correct. mean, you kind of go into that a little bit because, you know, these bunkers have super steep um, backs to them on a lot of them. So, you know, how, w- how would you incorporate that? Like if you were caddying out there for a pro today, how would you incorporate that into the strategy? Yeah, I would just tell them to keep it in mind, um, you know, because, again, you're going to see a green where the whole thing goes this way. Say, you're, say the whole thing goes right. But the pin's right on this bunker, and this bunker kicks everything back to the left on this part of the green. Um, and you've, you've really got to pay attention to that and, and factor it into how you read the read the break. But also, the other big rule out here is that the lowest point on the golf course is the entrance gate, kind of over there by six green. And so when in doubt, most of the time, everything will break towards that gate. Yeah, so a lot of good stuff happening here at Southern Hills. Uh, Cody Burrows with us, friend of the show. You're from Chickasha. You're chasing a golf career yourself. So everybody's curious what's what's going on with your golf game. How are you playing? Have you been playing much? And what's next? Yeah, so I picked up uh, conditional status on the McKenzie Tour, which will be the Form Tour this year, PJ Tour Canada. Um, not sure that's going to get many starts. Wait, they're uh, calling it the Form Tour now? Form Tour, yeah, that's the newest sponsor. Okay, uh, I didn't even know that. They're going to play in the either. States. Uh, because the border's closed. Right. Very cool. right. So I'm glad they were able to finalize that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to play. I also play a lot on uh, the All Pro Tour. Um, it's a really good mini tour, and it's it's pretty local. So I'll be going to Kansas next week to play in one of those. And then where at? Uh, it's in Garden City at a course called Buffalo Dunes. Okay. Yeah. Is every course in Kansas in with dunes? Most of them. Most of, of them, I guess. A lot the, of dunes in Kansas. The good ones. The good ones. Yeah. Prairie dunes. Yeah. Real good one. So. So what's after that? Uh, then I'll fly out to Georgia. Form Tour is going to do something cool. Um, they're going to do the first four Monday qualifiers uh, for their first four events in back-to-back-to-back days. Uh, so, like, round one will be for the first tournament, round two is for the second, and then three and four. So, it, wow. it helps people save expenses a little bit, uh, flying down there, knock out these four Monday queues, fly back. Otherwise, to, you know, to play four Monday queues like that, you're on the road for four weeks, which gets expensive and, and you know, that's well, something, and, that's and something people, I never thought about. Well, some people like just don't have the time. Like yeah. you might have something else going on. You might have to work. Other things going on. Uh, so that's something. Or great especially if they're all around the, the same area, because usually the the tournaments are at least you know a state or two apart. You know, at worst, yeah. you know, and if you yeah. go over four tournaments, so if you get them. But I tell you what, if you wanted to play good for one week, that would be the week to do it. Yeah, that would be the week to do it. And then, yeah. will you be at the Washita Valley and Chickasha this summer to defend your championship? <sighs> don't bring it up. Of course, don't bring, bring it up. No defending hey, championship. Got to put the work in. It's one, my put favorite, the work in. it's one of my well, favorite well, tournaments of the year. When you shoot 19 under, it's hard to beat you, you no, know, I'm, in three I'm, rounds so or the, whatever it was. These two are both championship flighters. Cody won it uh, the last few years. Taylor, you've won it how many times? Three. You won it three times. Cody, how many times you won it? 
At least four. I know you got four more than Four or five. Four or five? We'll call it five. Why not? It's our yeah. show. Nobody's auditing us, yeah, right? It's our show. Yeah. Nobody's going to go back and look it up. <laughs> uh, I got my first win last year, not in championship flight, in A flight. So, looking to go back and defend this year. automatic rule. It's always been. You win A flight, you got to go up to championship. Ain't that right, Cody? That yeah. is yeah. not the rule. That'd be a bad move, Colby. There's absolutely not the rule. No <laughs> chance I'm competing with Come these guys. Come get you a little some of this action. No chance I'm competing with these guys I'm sitting at the table with. Uh, all right, y'all tell the story of the Darsh nickname. Yeah, Every, everybody's got to know. Okay, so, so anyone out there who is has watched the show South Park, I think it's the best show of all time. Me and Colby will debate. He He's an office guy. I'm a South Park guy. We both appreciate the, sh- the other show, obviously, but we have debate on which one's the best. And me and Cody have always had a great love for South Park. And one of our favorite mutual episodes is – uh, the the episode where they go to Aspen and um, one of the kids' names is Stan Marsh and the whole uh, theme of the show is the guy calls him Stan Darsh and so we just I remember one night we were watching it and we just could not stop laughing at how funny it was and then the next time I saw him I just called him Darsh and I haven't really stopped since so and it's actually picked on I know it's I know, on I know my dad calls you that I know there's a couple other people in Chickasha that call you Darsh I mean it's uh, it's become pretty popular Darsher. Yeah, I mean, Darshamus is another one I like to call. I like to throw that out there. Yeah, the Darsher. I'm glad that you were able to tell the story because honestly, I don't even really know how it happened. <laughs> yeah, you just woke up one day and you were Darsh. Yeah, he's calling me Darsh, and I was like, "From South Park, Darsh? Yeah, Darsh." Yeah. Stand dark. You're just yeah. you're just Darsh now. Yeah, yeah. so now I'm the yeah. Darshimus. Yeah, you, hey, you got to roll with it, dude. That's, that's the best origin story for nicknames. You just yeah. wake up one yeah. day and you have a nickname. Darsh, all right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's like, it's like, do you introduce yourself as Spider-Man or Peter Parker? You know, so do you yeah. introduce yourself as Cody Burroughs or the Darshimus? Or if, if, uh, when, if, like when you saw Malpy, you should have said, hi, I'm the Darshimus. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> if you ever need a caddy, then Taylor and I can hop on the bag, but on the back of the bib, it has to say Darsh. It's not going to say Burroughs. It's got to say Darsh. Cody, have fun the next two days so you'll be with tv so you'll be out with the leading groups i would assume i will yeah they're gonna have me work in a few more hours this weekend each day because i think you know coverage is gonna be longer so yeah, as, uh, if you're watching it on TV, I will be out there. Yeah, you'll be with uh, probably Steve Stricker, Rocco Mediate, K- KJ Choi, some of those guys. So pretty yeah. good, pretty big names on the weekend. Uh, have fun. We appreciate you taking some time for us. Absolutely. Thanks right. for having me. That's our man Cody Burrows. We're going to take a break, come back on the other side. Sam will be back from interviewing both Rocco Mediate and Steve Stricker after their rounds today. Two guys who could be in the final group together over the weekend. So everybody stay with us here. Uh, we'll give you an update on Colonial as well as the first round of the NCAA National Championship championships at Greyhawk as well. Stay with us here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today.
Welcome back. Rolling along here on a Friday at Southern Hills. The KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship is in full swing. We've got a bunch of audio to bring you this segment. Shout out to Cody Burrows for joining us. Sam Humphreys back with us now after speaking with Darren Clark, Rocco Mediate, and Steve Stricker. So we'll have some of that coming up for you. Leaderboard update here from the Senior PGA. Steve Stricker closes with a couple of bogeys. So he's now tied for the lead. Three-way tie for the lead with Rocco Mediate, Steve Stricker, and Mike Weir, who's actually just on the course. He just finished up playing number 12. He started his second round on number 10. So Mike Weir only three holes into his second round. KJ Choi is at minus two. He's joined there by Alex Cheka and John Riger. Uh, Riger has yet to tee off. Cheka has played only three holes as well. So a lot of golf still to be played here on a Friday as that weather delay uh, significantly impacted things. But Sam, you talked uh, with a couple of guys who had just came off the course. I'm curious as to what the vibe was with Steve Stricker. His, his audio wasn't great. He didn't have a great finish and guys aren't normally as talkative. Uh, whenever they they finish kind of the way Steve Stricker did. So what was kind of the vibe you got? Yeah, what was the vibe you got from Stricker uh, coming in? Well, I mean, it's not that the audio wasn't great. He just didn't have that much to say after his round because he was in a bad mood as anyone would be after bogeying the last two holes. Um, He said, I I did ask him uh, if he felt like the greens firmed up when the course has uh, dried out throughout the day and uh, and have they gotten faster? And he said, no, it's actually been the opposite. Uh, He threw a little bit, I don't know, a shot might be not the right word to say at Southern Hills, but he he did say that he didn't understand why they weren't getting them faster. Now, on the flip side, when I asked Darren Clark about the course, he said that he four-putted his first hole because the greens were faster than he anticipated. So this is kind of golfers uh, different differentiating against each other right here. Hold but, up. Darren Clark four-putted the first hole? Yeah, the, uh, his first hole um, uh, that he came back and played today. The first hole he came back and played today. Gotcha. Yeah, and so, you know, uh, <laughs> with, with Strick, you know, it it was a kind of a somber vibe in that press conference, and uh, and but and then our boss Ken McLeod even uh, even asked the question, you know, take us through your shot on number ten, obviously the hole out, and and he 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 was like number ten, and and then he thought about it, and I was like the eagle, <laughs> and he goes and, and he goes, oh yeah yeah absolutely, he goes like man, I I totally forgot about that. Well, it seemed like a long time ago because he holed out from 106 yards for eagle on 10, and he didn't make another birdie or better the rest of the round, and, and he made six straight pars, and he went bogey-bogey on 17 and 18, so he definitely limped in a little bit. Why don't we just start with the Darren Clark audio because he was really good. Well, uh, before- I, I did find the four-putt on his card. He must have started on number one today, yeah. which would have been the second nine of his first round uh, because he's got an eight on the scorecard, so that must have been the very fancy, always fancy four-putt. Really quick before we start this Darren Clark audio, he's an absolute beauty. Before his press conference, he's walking up the hill and he's out of breath, or he just got done walking up the hill, up 18, and he's like, man, this, these hills, you know, like, <laughs> he was... <laughs> Dude, I, 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 I'll say this, you know, we we, uh, we did our first segment with uh, with, Co- with Cody because uh, he had some obligations to get to, and uh, so you were down there doing the player interviews. Had I known Darren Clark would have been there, I would have said, Cody, I love you, but I got to go talk to my hero real I mean, fast. So hopefully... Absolute legend. He, him. Good news then, is he'll be around for the weekend because he yeah. birdied holes 14 through 17 How to get that? comfortably inside was, the cut line. I was out there. I think you, uh, one of you guys saw the hole out on 16 uh, for the bunker. I, yeah. I was up there on 15 green to watch because um, there was like a, a four to five space group to where there was a lot of really good players. And, man, I had seen no one hit it close uh, to that back left pin on 15. And him and Paul Goido, same group, hit it to like five feet, man. It's just awesome shot. I mean, he's – and he is, like you said, Sam, a true, a true legend. Of the game. Clark and uh, Rocco, like you said, just 
dunked it on uh, number 16 out From of the, the same bunker. bunker. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> talk about two guys that are just absolute beauties. Like Darren Clark and Rocco Media. Dude, Rocco is so cool. I'll, I'm blown away by how cool Rocco Media is. I'll tell is. you all a Rocco story after we play the audio. Okay, so uh, let's, let's go, go ahead and play Darren Clark while yeah, we're on we'll, that we'll go, subject. We'll go to Clark first, and then we'll go to Rocco because he had some good stuff as well. So here's Darren Clark. He was 7 over. The cut line's projected to be 5 over. Made four birdies on the back to get himself comfortably inside. So he goes from outside the cut line to now only six shots off the lead. Not just so, four birdies on the back. He birdied four, uh, 14, 15, 16, 17. Yep, four in a row. So here's Darren Clark after his round uh, whenever Sam was talking to him. A lot of people say that the the course plays tougher with a north wind. However, it was a little softer today. So do you think that it played tougher yesterday or today? Um, yesterday, well, we only played the back nine yesterday, but the, the, in our practice rounds was the other wind the whole time. And um, I don't know. This course could have any wind and it's still going to play tough. It doesn't really make any difference. But, you know, you've got... You've got number one that's going to play tough straight into the wind there, and then you've got 16 as well when they're playing as a par four. Not too bad for me because I hit it over the bunker anyway. Um, but you know you've got a couple of those on tough par threes as well. So it's a balancing act. It's just it's a proper stern test of golf. It's hard. You got to play well. Um, if you don't, it'll it'll catch you out, and that's just the way. And that's the way it should be. It's a great golf course. It's just, it's hard. Yep. <laughs> I think that's just so well put from Darren Clark. It's God. a great golf course. I it's just hard. Guy, the lead's three under right now. We've already had an entire wave of players finish their second rounds, and the lead is sitting at three under par. I want to make the point that I think that it's harder for these guys because the, the clubs that they have coming into these greens aren't the same as the clubs that the guys that are going to have because the the landing areas that you have to land it in are the same. So that means that guys on the PGA Tour where they're hitting an eight iron, these guys are hitting a six or seven. So it's I think that we're going to see a little bit lower scoring uh, for the PGA next year as opposed to this year because, to be honest, they don't have it set up super tough in my opinion at like they could they could get the greens faster stricker was talking about how they were super slow and the rough's not that thick uh, i mean it's thick enough they, they to don't... catch some flyers but it's not no wedging out rough and so i think that it's going to be interesting to see on the weekend here it's, it might get tougher well, and also, too, they don't have um, a lot of the tee boxes all the way back either. I mean, we can get yeah. to about 7,600 out here. So, um, so yeah, I completely agree with that. But also, you know, if they do lengthen the rough, like you said, Sam, I think that this course could and make the greens faster. And if the wind blows at all, I think this course could play just as hard. For the pros, you would just have to make a few tweaks in there to uh, counteract the uh, hitting some sort of clubs in on certain holes. All right, so arguably the coolest guy on the property, Rocco Mediate, is tied for the lead he now just, at 300 par. Well, and he just took the outright lead for coolest guy of the week in my opinion because he i mean he's just elite let's just play the rocco audio and then you can tell everybody you're you basically y'all talked about jordan's once he got done talking <laughs> to the media but uh before we get to that here's rocco kind of talking about a little bit about his day and the course here at southern hills yeah you know last week phil attributed his healthier lifestyle and his longer swing to why he's had such a successful long career i was mm-hmm. wondering in your in your career you know what what specific things do you attribute to having success at your age ah uh. Got myself in better shape over the last four or five years. Um, dropped a whole bunch of weight, and um, I spent a lot of time on the Versa Climber. Whether you know what that is or not, but it's when people, if people do hear this, they'll know what I'm talking about. And that's what made the 27 holes not a big deal. I wasn't very tired, and that's what I kept telling Murph. It's why I climb. It's why I climb. Because you know, you have days like this. It's wet. It's windy. It's brutal golf course. If you get tired, it, it's going to be even worse. <laughs> so. Um, I see that, 
but like I said, when I went home and I, you know, I didn't play the last three weeks, basically, and I said, I'm done with this for a while. I'm going to figure out what and come back, and that's the end of that. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm just going to go play. Rocco could not have been more complimentary of Southern Hill. Said he loves this place. He was really looking forward to getting here, and he showed it uh, as he's tied for the lead at three under par. And he was not kidding when he said he lost a bunch of weight. This dude lost a bunch of weight. He doesn't I mean, even this look is... like the same person that was battling Tiger in no, 2008. And that, and that Rocco was already skinnier than old Rocco. It, yes. If you wouldn't have watched his golf swing and saw him how, how much he flushed, you would have thought he was sick. In all honesty, that's almost how much weight he's lost. Yes. He, I mean, he's gone from being – Not that he looks bad just because yeah, he looks yeah, so no, much no, different yeah, yeah, than yeah, what yeah, he yeah, right. yeah, it's like it would have been it's like just the contrast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like man, you went on a you know really hard. You could tell he's working hard, you know, because he didn't like necessarily you know like when you say working out, he didn't bulk up. You know, like you said, he's doing the climber, so he's just burning fat as opposed yeah. to I mean, he, the, the he, Kepka he, DJ gaining weight. Right, he thing. did it to Bryson. lose weight, and now he's cool and basically, he can wear Jordans. Basically, Rocco used to look like me, and now he looks like Colby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm the Slender Man for sure. I'm like a like a, a stick. Yeah, uh, but so no. So after that Jordans. interview, I mean, I go, hey, Rocco, real quick. I mean. Twitter's buzzing about your uh, about your Jordans, and he's like, "Yeah, man, the, the the fans love it, don't they?" And then we start cracking up about it. I was like, "Those Jordan Fives, right?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he goes, and he goes, "Yeah." I, I went up to the clubhouse at my home course, and then he just sits down on this stool, like he wanted to tell me this long story. <laughs> and and he's like, "Yeah, I went up to the clubhouse, and I've never been been a part of the uh, Jordan culture ever." And he goes, "Man, I tried these shoes on. I was like, what are those? Those look kind of cool." And, and <laughs> he tried them on and thought they were the most comfortable shoe ever. Well, then. He said he ends up meeting MJ and everything, and he said he's never played golf with MJ, but he met him and loves MJ and everything. And then he said that so now all he wears are Jordan fives on the go- on the golf course and Jordan ones off the golf course. And he just sat there and just talked. We talked about shoes for five minutes, and I mean the guy, is, it's just like Uncle Rocco. Uh, Uncle Rocco, that's perfect. You know, explain a little bit to me, Sam, if you know or Kobe, you know too. You know, because I'm not really into the shoe culture. You know, like so. What? What's? I mean, is it just the addition? Like Jordan ones are the first ones that came you out. You need to Jordan. go ask Rocco because he just gave me a full breakdown. <laughs> I, on I was, it. I was he, in, in here. I was in here. He said, Rocco I, will give you a full. He, he gave I, me a full breakdown on you know the the Jordan executive son who was making millions of dollars off these shoes, and he's <laughs> like, and he gave me the full breakdown, and he's like, I met this guy here in Tulsa, and he he does all, does it all, and he's like legally obviously not like the kid was for the Nike uh, <laughs> and, and everything and, and and he's talking about this guy that and he goes and he's just trying on all these Jordans and and he's like man at, at the start I was like man you know like uh, most I would ever pay is $80 for a shoe but man if they're this comfortable and they look this good I, I'll pay anything for these I shoes. I love that Rocco said he normally wouldn't pay more than $80 for a shoe. <laughs> it's like, a principle like, of the like matter. Rocco plays golf professionally and has for a long time and he's made a good chunk of change in his career. He's like man I, I really don't like paying for shoes but these shoes man. Man, these shoes are where it's at. So that's good stuff. He's from just Rocco an Media. absolute beauty. The only two times I've seen him this week without a stogie in his mouth is walking in the hotel last night and when he did his interview tonight. Well, whenever, whenever we had uh, Cody on, we made the uh, revelation that it's part of his pre-shot routine. He has to flick it out of his mouth onto the ground. It's, it's like the Phil Mickelson club twirl before yeah. he hits. You yeah. know, and you it's got a good eat. thing that uh, there's no winter kill on the ground because you know Rocco's just throwing the stogie everywhere. It's so, all over yeah. the grass here. Smokey at the Bear would not would not like Rocco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, why don't we talk a little but bit? We about the the local guys. So yesterday, uh, these guys all spoke with the media, and Brand Job actually had a pretty good round yesterday. He shot a one over par seventy one, which is very much in this golf tournament. And he's just on the course now, just getting out there for his second round. He had to go back to Oklahoma City last night for his son Jackson Joe, Jackson Job's graduation. So he was very fortunate to draw a morning tea time, uh, and and he came out and had a pretty good round. And here's what um, Brant Job had to say after his first round at Southern Hills. 
You're a native Oklahoman, uh, still live here. I know you've been around the world in between, but <laughs> how fun is it for you? This must have been one on your long-range calendar looking forward to. Is there a certain thrill here uh, playing at home? There's no doubt about it. It's fun to play at home. We had, you know, kind of fun, a group of us from Oak Tree, uh, Willie Wood and Scott Verplank, and I came up last week. We are the only three guys that play the golf course and they're nice enough to let us go out so it, you know it's it's a home game you know i had a bunch of friends that came up today a bunch more you know coming so uh it's kind of nice because they don't always understand exactly what you're doing they you know they see it and they watch it but they they don't get it when they come here it's kind of this is more real life than what we do so really fun week for me this week yeah, and I, I mean, a one over 71 in uh, the first round is a lot of fun. Gets him very much in the tournament. I, I mean, if he can go out and shoot anything around even par this afternoon, he's going to have just as good a chance as anybody. Yeah, I'm, speaking of even par, he's even par through seven with seven straight pars uh, to start his second round. Uh, he, he's got a little Jim Furyk round going. A little Jimmy Furyk round Has going. Has Furyk made a birdie or a bogey yet, or has he just made all <laughs> pars the entire tournament? Well, I'll look well, that while up. you're looking that up, I want to talk about – Brant Job for a second, and like they, the guy that asked the question alluded to, he said, um, you've been around the world. You were born in Oklahoma, and then you've been around the world, and then you live in Oklahoma now. You know, he, he, he lived in Dallas. He, he went to school at UCLA. He's from, he lived, grew up in Colorado. And, uh, and, and Brant Job obviously, is, is just one of the best guys out there, and that's why he fits in great at Oak Tree. I mean, just the Oak Tree – the older Oak Tree gang and the younger Oak Tree gang are just all really good guys. And Brant Job, you know, probably the best athlete out here, which makes 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 sense why his son is such a great athlete too. But Brant Job really has a good chance to contend in this tournament. I mean, he's only one over right now. What's the leader at right now, Colby? Uh, three leader under? is at three under. Yeah, yep. so he's one leader, over right now, I and, I, and, and I really think he's going to take advantage of that back nine uh, where a lot of guys can't. By the way, fellas, length. so I did look up Jim Furyk's score. I got cards. it right here in front of me, too. 33 pars, three bogeys. Wow. Through two rounds of golf. Zero I, birdies for I Jim Furyk at 36 I saw, holes. I saw, the, uh, I saw the bogey on 18 um, when I was walking up. He was he hit it way short, way left. I'm not sure exactly what happened off the tee box. He tried to hit some long iron, and he almost hit it in the bunkers that were just over the creek. I mean, and, I, and he let go of the club. Speaking of let go of the club, um, I want to mention this. Um, Bernhard Langer on 15, he had a shot, and he literally – Literally dropped the club afterwards, like not even the Hideki. Like oh, which hole, fifteen? Fifteen, yeah. Literally dropped his club, and everyone up there had a fairly decent gallery. We're all like, "Oh man, that must that must be bad." Landed right in the middle of the green, rolled up to I, I kid you not, a foot from the hole. <laughs> literally dropped <laughs> the club. Uh, what's Bernhard at, by the way? He has four over par, so comfortably inside the cut line, which it looks like is going to be five. Uh, so Bernhard Langer will be around for the weekend. Let's talk a little Scott Verplank. Scott Verplank, two over par yesterday. He's only played two holes today. He's even par, so we'll go back out and watch him after. We get done uh, recording the podcast here, so they're going to play pretty much until dark today. Uh, but why don't we just go ahead and hear from Scott for play? It was pretty funny earlier, you know, Colby. He was like, "You were like, when does Scott go off?" And I was like, four o'clock." And you go, four o'clock." Man. Yeah, Jesus, go. <laughs> it's going to be a late night at Southern Hills. Well, you know, it's funny, too, because um, whenever I was out watching um, Stricker and um, and Stricker and them, um, Agusin and Ernie, and, and watching that group, I, and I watched them on hole nine, I literally thought to myself that they were done because we were – and then I forgot they had nine more holes to play. So that's funny because me and Sam were standing <laughs> greenside on seven, and Ernie was at four over, and we weren't sure the cut looked like it could be at four that time, but it would probably be five. And I told Sam next to number seven green, I was like, so Ernie needs – pars on these next couple of holes to make sure he's around for the weekend. And I, and I pulled a Vern Lundquist. So I was like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah, does. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then correct, then correct Dottie Well, but, but then Sam and I both kind of looked at each other and, and 
we like both have the realization at the same moment, like, oh, they've got 11 holes left, not two <laughs> holes left. There's <laughs> so much golf to when be When I played. found out about it was I heard uh, when Stricker holed out on 10. That's when I heard out. That's when I first found out about it. I said. You oh, heard out about it. Yeah, I heard about it, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's Scott playing yesterday. yesterday. Yesterday yeah, after yeah. his first round, because, again, he just started his second round. We didn't want to get a podcast out at midnight for y'all tonight. So here's Scott Verplank uh, talking about the course and some of the stuff up here at Southern after his first round. Yeah, Scott, to piggyback off that question, you probably played this course in every win imaginable. How has this course changed since the renovations with the strong southwest wind that we're having today? Well, most of the tee shots don't change dramatically. Um, but, you know, the repositioned bunkers, um, fairways are sloping different direct, a little bit different directions. So um, th- I think this is the win that it's – you know, this, this is the wind that you want to play it in. I mean, if you want it hard, the wind blowing out of the southwest and getting hot and dry is is real championship quality. So this is the way it's supposed to be played. How did you feel like the greens were running? You feel like they could get them a little faster if the wind gets going up, or are they a little well, slower to, to protect from the wind? They were they're they're pretty slow uphill, but they're if you're going downhill, the the slopes are so severe on the greens here that. You just can't get them overly, overly fast. I mean, I would, I would like it if they sped them up a little bit, but that's not my department. Over here with Sam. Hey, Sam. Scott, you played the last four at one under par after the adversity on five. Uh, what was your kind of mindset after number five and to get it in because those four holes aren't a piece of cake? No, um, my mindset was, I mean, I just made a bad, I made a couple bad swings, but then I kind of got unlucky on, I mean, I got a wedge to the green. I mean, I missed the green, so probably should have made bogey, but not not uh, double. But I don't know, I, I, I hit my, like, middle irons pretty good. I mean, I hit a really good seven iron on the next hole, and it, you know, of course, missed the putt, and then I hit a pretty nice iron shot on the next hole and, and made that putt and then hit a really good iron five iron on eight and missed that putt and then you know just kind of one of those deals so I don't know just just any shot I can hit solid makes me feel a lot better and then how will the course vary tomorrow if we get the heavy rains tomorrow or well tonight? it'll it'll play a lot different just because the you know if the wind switches then you know kind of flip-flop the whole golf course and most guys haven't seen it that way so um I wish it would stay like this for four days, but I don't think it's going to. Yeah, not staying firm and fast for four days, but the weather is absolutely perfect out there. I like how he, he started to say he got unlucky on the hole, and then he's like, well, I had wedge in the green. I should have hit the green. Remind me, Cody t- told us earlier uh, about some Maltbyisms, Roger Maltbyisms off the air, and he said one of them is the ball always goes exactly where you hit it. And <laughs> like that's just so perfect. But Scott Verplank still very much in this tournament at two over par. Absolutely. Real quick with Maltby, I overheard Cody and Maltby talking. I walked a little bit uh, with Cody in the in, in the round where he was following Stricker, obviously. And uh, and Maltby leans over to Cody and he kind of goes, "Man, it's been two two holes. They played two holes in forty minutes." And he's like, "And he's like, and they're still waiting on this tee box." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, because Stricker had to take a drop earlier. It from was a right after animal. Well, and, well, no, but it was right after uh, Goose and had to play down 17 and everything, and they took forever oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. to play Cause those 12. Were holes. They took forever to play 12 and 13, and yeah, and Maltby was explaining the burrowing animal thing, and and but basically, then they get up on 14T and they still have to wait. So the pace of play, uh, I'm not sure that these guys are going to finish. I think they probably will, but it'll be 
kind of cutting it close. I, I think I think you're, you'll probably have a handful that have to come back tomorrow. I think one thing about this course and a lot of uh, classic courses that hurts the pace of play is that a lot of greens are really close to tee boxes. So, you know, you don't necessarily even have – you normally have to wait for the group in front of you, but sometimes you have to wait on uh, the green behind you if people are putting and uh, to, 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 to tee off or to putt, uh, vice versa. And so, you know, that can that can kind of hurt the, uh, the pace of play. And with there only being, uh, you know, 13 um, playing into the wind, a lot of people aren't going for it, so maybe that'll help a little bit. But like today, they had 17 teed up um, forward, so if people are trying to go for that, that hole's going to get slowed up because everyone has to wait for the green to clear. Yeah, and I was going to bring up, you asked about Scott. I think that no matter what the wind is today, even though Scott himself said that he wishes it would have stayed from the south, blowing pretty, pretty hard and fast and firm, if he hits it like he did yesterday, he's going to have a good chance because eventually Scott Verplank is going to get some putts to roll in. Yeah, and by the way, he started on one today, and even par through two is a really good start. One and two are hard golf Darren holes, Clark and brought he, that up. He, he was talking about them. how tough number one is compared into the wing compared to oh, down it's a beast. And, and Verplank made a good point of um, the fact that even though he said he wished it would stay like this, you know, not not many players have seen this course in a, in a north wind. I guarantee Verplank has. You know, he's played, he had to have played out here at some point. Not very much, to be honest, though. Like, it doesn't blow out of the north very often. Well, usually when it blows out of the north, it's, it's cold. Dormant. And, like, people don't – I mean, who wants to play golf in the cold? Nobody. So yeah. most people don't come out and play it when the wind's out of the north because usually it's not 75 and sunny with the wind out of the north. That's pretty rare. But playing so. this course once in the north is better than none in the north. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right. Oh, you I, agree, absolutely I agree. Right. Uh, let's hear from Kerry Cosby after his round yesterday. Uh, head pro out here at Southern Hills getting to play. He's got his son on the bag for him. It's just an incredible experience. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to make the cut unless he gets pretty hot and makes a, a bunch of birdies. He's 10 over. He shot 79 yesterday, and then he's a, a couple of over par today as well. So here's Kerry Cosby after his round yesterday just talking about the experience of being here and uh, kind of what this means to him to play here at his home course of Southern Hills. The uh, ropes perspective, cause you know how pleased were you with the uh, course setup and the way that uh, the tournament's been going since the renovations with the first major championship since all that was done. Well, I, I wish everybody could see what the golf course looked like 30 to 40 days ago and what Russ has been able to do to make the it's it's unbelievable. And uh, I mean, when Ken was here for the media day on five, we teed off over his staff hitting laying sod, yeah. and that was uh, end of April, something like that, 20th or 24th of April. So to see the way the golf course, I didn't see anybody have any lies today. There may have been one, not in our group, but uh, but I, it's remarkable to see see what what's happened. Mother Nature, Mother Nature took it away. Mother Nature gave it back. I think a little helped us out, but um, you know the golf course. It's it's fun to see what you know, it's the first time that, that the professionals have been here after the renovation. Um, I haven't even looked at the scores. So I don't even know what, the, what I don't know what the low score is, but um, it's a tough golf course. And Bob May and I were just talking. We played against each other in college. He said this place is too tough. I don't think I could be a member here. So um, it was tough. And the wind, you know, picked, kicked up today, and looks like maybe a north wind tomorrow and and Saturday and Sunday, which is definitely the more difficult. It's not a big wind, but it's definitely a more difficult wind uh, and, playing. And you know, in your defense as well, you know, like you mentioned with all the work you had to put in the last month with the winter, you probably haven't been able to practice as much as you would like because, you know, your duties have been... No, you know, I, I, I don't want to overstate that how much work I did to get ready. The the team that I work with and Nick and the every other department and the people that, from the PGA that are here, I, I did very little, really. I mean, they, they wanted me to practice um, Nick's first thing he said to me after saying congrats was, hey, your crew's awesome. Let them have it. Um, you go practice. Find time to do it. So I tried to be more structured than I 
well, I'm never I have zero structure normally. So uh, unless I'm gearing up for you know the National Club Pro or something like that. But um, so I, I I didn't my work. I mean, I, I guess I could have just not shown up for work. I did show up for work every day to, to do that. But uh, uh, aside from that, I got I, I practiced more than I would normally would. And, um, you know, uh, but I still, you know, probably some tournament rounds, more tournament rounds. If I could have played this this spring, maybe some of those loose shots wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have happened. But who knows? That's Kerry Cosby, the head pro here at Southern Hills. What an experience for him getting to play in the Senior PGA Championship here at his home course. Just uh, awesome, and, and doesn't look like he's going to uh, make the cut, but still just a phenomenal experience, and, and really you can hear how grateful and how appreciative he is to be a part of this tournament. And and in all honesty, guys, he had one of the biggest galleries out there from what I saw. I mean, I mean, obviously he's playing with Tom Lehman and Jay Hawes, but he had so many, um, from what it looked like, Southern Hills members and, and friends of his that were out here to support him. So I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And and, and he could not be a nicer n nicer guy. Yeah, and it wasn't in that audio right there, but our, our boss, Kim McLeod, asked him about uh, what his dad would have thought uh, of him playing in this tournament. And he kind of broke down crying and just said he'd be really proud. And that was a special moment uh, as well. And it just showed how much him just playing in this tournament meant to him and the Cosby family. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. It just, it means a lot. It means a lot to these, to these players. It means a lot to Kerry Cosby. Uh, very cool that he's in the field this week. So senior PGA championship rolling along here from Southern Hills. We have a new leader, fellas, new leader. Mike Weir has birdied the par five 13th hole and Mike Weir now leads by by himself at four under par. Scoring conditions are actually pretty good this afternoon. Sun has come out, uh, starting to dry out just a little bit more, still a lot more wet than it was yesterday afternoon, but I, I don't know. He's already got one par five out of the way, and he's got some tough holes ahead of him, but Mike Weir, theoretically, I mean, he could go out and shoot a few under in this round and give himself the lead, and then we would have some final groups tomorrow, and these will be the groups that Cody Burrows, who was on with us earlier, is following around. I mean, right now, the top three in the tournament are Mike Weir, Rocco Mediate, and Steve Stricker. Boy, is that any good going into the weekend? I would love for that to be the top three tomorrow and Sunday. Oh, and I mean, yeah, you even look at some of the other bigger names um, that are around, you know, K.J. Choi playing well. Um, the mechanic, Miguel Gale is at uh, one uh, one under for the tournament. He's one over through six currently on the day, but he did start on the back, so maybe he'll be able to get it rolling a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I just, I'm so excited for, for the golf coming up this weekend guys I think that um, you know Southern Hills is set up so well right now that it's so hard for someone to go out there and get to like 10 under or anything like that so it, I think it's going to keep so many players still in the tournament and I think it's going to make for an extremely exciting uh, next few days it should be noted that yes Mike Weir uh, is in the lead at four under right now obviously only through four holes he still has like the tough 16th hole 18 and then the whole front nine left uh, so Yes, he's the leader right now, but um, I would be surprised if he if he gains some big four to five shot lead. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't think he's going to stretch it out to seven or eight. He could maybe get it to five, maybe even six if he plays really well. Uh, but that still wouldn't get him too far away from the field. There's only ten guys in the entire field under par right now, so more great golf coming up this weekend. Uh, and coming out here, and only be five perfect. of them are. I think uh, I only think five or six of them are on the course too. So you know a yeah. lot of, a lot of the people under par who um, you know three unders like the Rocco Strickers, uh, KJ Troy finished at two under. You know so there's um, you know go ahead Tim. Uh, John Daly, alert, he has birdied number 10, his first hole, but then he bogeyed 11, but he's even par through six holes of his of his second round. 
All he has to do is shoot two under from here for John Daly to be uh, be here on the weekend. You can go ahead and count me as firmly in the group of hoping that he does not make the cut. That is so oh, ridiculous. Why do you want to hate John Daly circus? Dude, it's, it's, it's not, not it's, a circus. It's a circus. He, he's the most entertaining golfer of all time. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He's not in the top 100 of entertaining golfers. That is no. just ridiculous. Colby, that's okay, maybe he's in the top 100, but he's not in the top 50. Of most entertaining, entertaining no. golfers of all time? No. I talked to Ian Davis about this on the course today. And shout I, and out, Ian. Shout okay. out to Ian Davis. Phenomenal and he said, golfer. And he said that, obviously, if people don't know who he is, he played at golf at Oklahoma State. And, you know, he was a great golfer himself and at Deer Creek in high school. You know, Ian was – I go, who are you going to watch? He goes, we're about to go watch John Daly, all 18 holes. And I go, why? I, yesterday – and I told him why – I said why because, you know, yesterday we had the argument with Colby whether, you know, John Daly uh, – or why, you know, so many people go and follow John Daly. And and he's like, man, he's the most entertaining golfer of all time. He, he He's the most relatable golfer of all time. And I know that Colby said that, you know, he, oh, I wouldn't want to live my life like that. Well, what golfer doesn't go drink beers with their buddies while they're on the golf course? Every single person or most the majority of people go drink a beer while they play golf, and then they go hang out at the casino on the weekends. He's literally the, the, the people's champ. To, to to say that he's a not top one hundred entertaining golfer of all time. I is revised one of the, the top fifty. I revised that's the top. That's still ridiculous. That's still that's still, that's still that's ridiculous. Forty eight spots too high. Name, oh name, my god. Name fifty golf. Name me fifteen golfers more entertaining than him. Okay, take our list of top ten guys that we made and just throw those guys in there, and then chuck another few guys in there. I mean, there's so many guys. John Daly is just tell me that Nick Faldo is more entertaining than John it's Daly. Turned, it's just turned into a circus, man. Like he's not competitive. He's not making any cuts. He's not contending. That ridic- that's he, ridiculous. He's just out here. People just follow that him. That competitive, he won on the senior tour not too long ago. How, how long is not too long ago? When, when did he recently win on the senior tour? We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Let y'all, let y'all debate this a little bit. I it have a few more things to, to say about play, this. Though, this is, 25 years ago, I'd love to go out and watch John Daly. We're talking about John Daly in May of 2021. I don't want to go watch John Daly play golf in 2021. Do you want That's to want, not entertaining. It's pure you, entertainment. No, if, it's if not. Ty, if Tyra come back, comes back and plays golf at 55 and he plays horribly, are you going to say the same thing? Uh, no, because that's Tiger Woods. Why, why oh, are you comparing be, John Daly to Tiger Woods? That for, is so asinine. Because for a lot of people, it's the same thing. Okay. Just well, like the, Sam well, said. Well, those people are morons. If you think John Daly is, is is on the same level as Tiger Woods, you're a moron. Well, that's not a what lot we're more, saying, but entertainment-wise. That's wise, what Taylor just said. Lo- entertainment-wise, he lo- is. Do, a lot more people can relate to John Daly as a golfer than they can Tiger Woods. Absolutely. Do, do we not admit that? No, that live a, a more similar true. lifestyle? Well, that's not what you said. You didn't say relatable. You said entertainment factor. It is John Daly has never once in his life been as entertaining as Tiger Woods. That's not true. That's just no. Well, actually, in '91, he probably was. Y'all yeah, are totally when, overstating John of, Daly's of, of, thing. Of, of course, Tiger's more entertaining than John Daly, but you have you have you have Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Arnold Palmer, uh, Nicholas, Nicholas, and John Daly as. That's my top five most entertaining golfers okay. of all time. I mean, to say he's not in, to in say no particular agree, order. Disagree, to say he's not top fifty is just God, Colby. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, we got. I mean, it's why, why do you hate John Daly so much? I Seriously. don't hate John Daly. I don't what? hate John Daly. He's just not that entertaining. Why would I want to go watch John Daly when I can go watch good golf? That's that's a serious question. Well, he used to play really good golf. I I I just said less than two minutes ago. Twenty twenty one, John Daly. 25 years ago, I would have loved to watch him play golf. John Daly. I have no interest in it now. It's no all interest. entertainment. It, it's entertainment, and he does play good golf. He's in this tournament for a reason. Okay. I'd love to go play cards with him. Here. I'd love to go play cards with him. Here. I really would. 
but I don't need to watch him play golf. Here, here's one question here. Y'all keep debating. I want to see hashtag how high John Daly. Ooh, that's actually, that'll be a good one. Because I want to make a, a good comparison here. That'll I be really a good do. one. John Daly, I bet, got up pretty high in the world. You're telling me you'd rather go watch Retief Goosen right now than John Daly. Uh, I, I, yes. Right now, I would rather watch yes, Retief. I would rather watch Retief. Retief, 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 Retief. That's, that's mind-blowing. Would you me. rather watch VJ or John Daly in this tournament? 100% uh, John Daly. Uh, VJ every day of the week. No. And twice on Sunday. No, absolutely not. But, but, twice on Sunday because John Daly won't be here Sunday, so we won't have that option. He will be if he shoots two under on the back nine. Oh, uh, right, which is really likely considering God, the I caliber of golf that he's playing. Okay, what's y'all's guess? And, um, and how high? Hashtag how high? I'll say 13. I'm going to say 8. 23. Really? 23 for the two-time major champion. I would have thought it would have been higher than that. How many PGA Tour wins does he have? I know he's got two majors, but I haven't. I mean, I I don't know if I could guess within. I mean, I have, literally have no idea how many tour wins he has. Um, he has. I mean, probably here. Just one I mean, second. I, I mean, I was just a, on this Wikipedia handfuls. page. I don't know. I just go back to it. Give I don't me know. one second. 10, 10, 15 tour wins. I really don't know. I mean, I just I, I don't. I will I, say there's there's something to be said about engaging the crowd as well, and and like we said about Phil, that's why so many people were. Following Phil down the fairway at Kiowa, it, well, John Daly's the same thing. Well, I mean, it's also because Phil was playing great golf. Yeah, but people love Phil not just because he put, plays great golf. It's because they feel like they know him, even though they don't know him. John Daly, they feel like they know John Daly, even though they don't know John Daly. Again, I would love to go play cards with John Daly if he wants to meet up tonight at River Spirit and we'll play some Texas Hold'em. I am in. But there are so many great golfers in this field. There's no way that I would go out of my way to go watch John Daly whenever there are so many great players playing. He has uh, five tour wins. Uh, two of them were the majors. So three. What about senior tour? Uh, senior tour. Let me find it one second. He also has a th- uh, one this European tour. This John Daly deep dive. Well, because Cole, you're saying asinine stuff, man. I mean, I, I, I why, don't, why can't I be out on on John Daly as an? As because that's un-American. No, it, I'm not. I don't understand you being out. I'm un, that you don't understand how that he can be entertaining to people. No, I do understand how he can be entertaining to people. I'm saying he's not entertaining to me. Yeah, but that your whole sense. argument was you don't understand why so many people are out there watching That him. was true. That is what you said. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, let me put it this way. I don't understand why you would be at this golf tournament and you would go watch John Daly today. He's the biggest of, name in this tournament. Instead of watching the group, like John Daly is playing right now, and there's a group right now that is Mike Weir, Vijay Singh, and David Toms, and I would just so much rather watch that group that has the leader of the golf tournament in it, by the way, than go watch John well, Daly well, shoot 76. Well, I Mc, guarantee Miguel's you Miguel's playing with Tiger, or not Tiger, John Daly. Um, so, I mean, that if, adds a lot to if it. If we too. went out there and polled people whether they would rather watch John Daly or who was your group just now? Mike Weir, VJ Singh, and David Thompson. 100%. I, I guarantee you 85% of those people would say John Daly. Okay. Well, I'm not in that boat. Well, I mean, we don't even have to ask. We can just go out and look. I'm not in that <laughs> yeah, boat. No, I no mean, joke. Yeah, he had a big gallery yesterday. That was my whole point. I just, I, I don't get it. To me, I don't get it. But, I mean, people you love it. You don't think it, he's so. relatable? He's not relatable Kobe, to me, Kobe doesn't drink on the golf course and go to the casino. He's not a degenerate like us, Sam. <laughs> I mean, but, he lives too pretty of a lifestyle. He lives in the land no, of I mean, unicorns I, But it and doesn't fairies. have to be some dirty lifestyle for to be relatable to John Daly. He's driving a cart down the fairway. He's He has a McDonald's cup. He's ripping a cigarette. He's, it has nothing to do with any, like, any of the gambling or any of the drinking. It has to do with just 
relatable and he's laughing and he's having a good time. He's just out there playing golf like we play golf. I, look, I'm not sitting here saying John Daly's a bad guy. Like, I don't want people to get the wrong impression. And that, he like, also, I think John Daly's a bad dude who shouldn't be out here. Like, uh, John Daly, everyone who's ever talked to him, like, he's, he did an interview with the franchise last year. I mean, he seems like a really good dude. My only point is that if I'm going out on a golf course, doesn't make sense to me to go watch him instead of watching the guys who can win the tournament. Well, all I'm saying is, and I think you're underestimating how good John Daly actually was. He was the at one point he was the longest hitter on tour and had the most touch around the greens on tour. You you could you could have an argument he might be a, a top ten ta- most talented player of all he's time. Whenever the, you talk about like potential, he's I guess one of the most like. underrated chippers of all time. Just 100%. around the greens, he yeah has hands of gold. And it, you've heard the Tiger story about Tiger, you know, saying John if if like, if you practice as much as I do, like, I wouldn't even be able to sniff you. you know? <laughs> yeah, no, one of the famous uh, John Daly drills is to chip with your left hand, and there's videos of him doing that. Out of the it bunker, to like, even. To, like, three feet yeah. every time. Like, just closer than anyone else would. I mean, He must have more feel in his left hand, because you remember a few years back on the Champions Tour, he got the putting yips, and he just started putting one-handed. Yeah. Well, you, that, maybe, that's something that I've never tried. He should have went, he, he went to the claw. How many majors, or how many senior tour wins has he had? He's you got know, five we, tour wins, two I, I, majors. I had to chime into something stupid. Uh, that you look, you look that, that up. We, we need to move on, though. We've been circling John Daly for like 20 minutes. Uh, so has everyone else out on the course. But he's popular and entertaining. People want to listen about John Daly. <laughs> Colby, that's what you don't understand. Okay, then tweet at us. At the 73rd hole. Tweet at us. Please if you, do. If you think I'm way off the mark on John Daly and you'd rather watch him than guys who can win the tournament, tweet at us. Let us know. Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, NCAA championship. Underway. Cole Bradley from Purdue is in the lead at four under par. My pick to win, Jonathan Brightwell, is three under through 11. couple of other local guys, Bo Jin, minus two through his first 11 holes. Uh, scrolling down here to find some more guys from the state schools. Eugenio Lopez-Jacara is at even par. Uh, even further down, Quade Cummins, Ben Lorenz, both at one over par. Brian Stark at one over par. Austin Ekro not off to the best start uh, in this one. Amon Gupta, three over par. Uh, looking for Eckroad here. Maybe I missed him. I, I did not miss him. I didn't scroll down far enough. This is uh, not a great start for Austin Eckroad as he is six over par wow. through his first ten holes, uh, which means for Oklahoma State as a team, you've got to take four out of five. That means Oklahoma State needs Amon Gupta to have really play his last six holes even par or better because, I mean, chances are they're going to have to drop Eckroad's score, so they need Gupta to go ahead and get it in the house. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah, sorry, Austin, for picking you to win. I guess that was the kiss of death. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, you know, when when you're playing 18 um, holes in a day, I mean, you could wake up tomorrow and everyone could be on fire. So just, you know, if your team's struggling, just have one of your players get it in. And who knows, Austin could could catch fire, make some birdies uh, coming in. So that may be a possibility. But you just, just go day to day and don't let it get out of hand. too. Because if you let it get out of hand too far today and one of them shoots 80 or something like that, it's going to be a hard time to be able to come back. Boys, we have an absolute Cinderella story brewing here with Sam Houston State. Cinderella. You almost picked Ella, him, well, Sam. You Houston, did. You should have. Well, Sam Houston State, if you remember, in regionals, they they played the first two rounds, and then one of their best players, uh, Will Holcomb, who is they're playing as their one man in the national championship, had COVID or COVID tracing because their he was rooming with their six man, and <laughs> so they they had to go with four guys. At Carson Creek, at they Carson had to go with Creek, four guys and, and count every score. It, they made it into regionals, and now they are in second place behind Texas Tech. And they're they finished. Had, they had three. Yeah, they're done. They had three guys shoot in the sixties. Will Holcomb, who wasn't able to play in that final round, and his teammates br- brought it home for him. He obviously played in the first two rounds, but that third round at Carson, he was not playing. He shot a sixty-seven today, uh, and I'm not. 
even going to try to say his teammate's name, who is tied for second with him as well. Uh, Ting Wei Hisai, or I think it is how it's pronounced. Um, I'm pretty good with pronunciation, and I'm not going to take a crack and, uh, at it. But another guy that I almost picked for individual and that we got to see a bunch of at uh, – at Prairie Dunes is Ludwig Aberg, and he played great today as 68. I think my disappointment uh, of the tournament so far would have to be Florida State. Florida State all the way down and tied for seven, three over on the day, and they've only played 10 holes or 10 through 12 holes. And uh, John Pack is two over through 10, so not the best start for him. Uh, I feel like maybe uh, the teams that got out early this morning, the scoring was definitely better than uh, I, I'm just looking from the stats here and the scores. Um, but the teams that went out early seem to be shooting in the 60s, and I don't see many 60s or under par rounds on the course right now. Uh, and OSU and Florida State are two of those schools, you know, that uh, that haven't played very well. Obviously, OU is the outlier in that. OU is playing well, and uh, Oklahoma State your pick, still Jonathan Brightwell, is playing well. Oklahoma State still T5, only uh, two back of OU in third, and still only six back of Texas Tech in first. And, about, and let's be honest, I mean, some, some schools have gotten 18 in. Most schools have gotten about 12 holes in. So, I mean, there's still 55, 60 holes left in this tournament. So, this can go a million different ways from here until Monday afternoon. Uh, but OU definitely off to a good start. And Oklahoma State, even with Gooped at three over and Ekro at six, still T5 as a team. So both state schools, I think, looking uh, pretty solid right now. Where is Texas? Texas is nine over in T22. How, wow. I mean, how is that happening? Let's uh, let's look here. Pearson Cootie is four over. Cole Hammer is six over par through nine holes. He shot 41 on the front nine. Parker Cootie is four over. So, I mean, four over for both the Cooties and, and six over for Hammer is just devastating for Texas. Boy, this, yeah. I, I'm, go this, ahead, Sam. I was just going to mention Tyson Reeder for Arkansas. Arkansas is all the way down in 18th place, and they're finished. Uh, it, it's pretty bunched up, though, because, I mean, they shot 69, up. 72, 72, 74. Those were their four counting scores. Obviously, Tyson was one of those 72s. And 72 is tied for 70th individually, and 69 is tied for 14th individually. So, we could, like you said, we can see uh, a team like Arkansas, who's tied for 18th in the team right now, they're only, what is it, like, Three shots out of being in tied for fifth? Like, yeah. it's craziness. Yeah, and so much golf left to be played. Oh, I mean, yeah, and uh, you can see it, guys. I mean, the pressure of winning a national championship is real. I mean, I mean, you see it in all sports. You see it in, in football, basketball, whatever it may be. Um, you know, the team, you know, that is favored to win by three touchdowns and championship doesn't necessarily win all the time. And so I think you, you see that even in, in college golf. One, one team that's going to have a really, really tough road to get in the top eight is all the way down in second to last tight er, – in 29th place is East Tennessee State. They actually won that regional, and uh, you know they, you know they shot 300 today. Oh. So uh, any any score. 300 or above in college golf is not going to get you many places. So uh, pretty disappointing from them after their great uh, regional finish. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of golf to be played in Scottsdale, a lot of golf to be played here at the Senior BGA Championship. If you've been playing a lot of golf and your back has started to bother you. Boy, do we have something in store for you. Why don't you go ahead and head over to the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Uh, go see Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley. The Spine Clinic offers the capability to, to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley received the honor of being listed one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in North America. Visit thespineclinicok.com located 
located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. Gentlemen, closing thoughts before we uh, head back out and watch some more golf. Oh, um, there we go. Um, the one tournament that uh, John Daly has won on the Champions Tour was the uh, Insperity in Invi- Invitational back in 2017. So May, depend- May of 2017. May, so, um, so it depends on what your definition of recently is to go with what y'all were debating <laughs> earlier. So anyway, tweet us at the 73rd hole. I want to know. If, if people think that I'm just a world-class moron, that's fine. Tweet at us and say, at Colby J. Powell is a world-class moron. Team- I want to go watch John Daly. It's not Team Bryson or Team Brooks anymore. It's Team Daly or Team Colby. Co- Colby. Team Daily, yeah. Team well, Colby. I think the biggest distinction was was that we thought that you were saying that of of all people, he wasn't a top hundred player. Like like for everyone, not just yourself. So I think that is the distinction that we had to make. Okay, yeah, yeah. This yep. is just me in terms of who I want to go out on a golf course and watch. He doesn't rank that highly for me. He just well, doesn't rank that well, highly. We're about for to me. we're but. about to go out and see the huge crowd that he has, and you can go up and that pull him yourself and see why they, why they <laughs> nah, like him. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell y'all they're there for Miguel. All those people are out there for Miguel. Hey, oh, hey, I'll be out there for a little bit of both, you know, in all honesty. Hey, the mechanic, he can absolutely I, get it around the golf course. And I, we need not be disrespectful. There's a third man in their group, and I'm forgetting who it is at the moment. Same. but any, No idea. Exactly, because <laughs> Daly's too big of a draw. But, uh, you know, my final thoughts on uh, today's stuff, and obviously we're about to go watch some more golf out here at Southern Hills, uh, but it, the, the North Wind was the story of the day, um, and really from what I gathered, obviously I was interviewing guys that played well today, but um, they didn't necessarily say that it played tougher. Um, they, I think that the wind blew so hard yesterday from the south that it, it's not quite as as um, grueling today uh, of a wind, but it is from the north, so I think that... Uh, that if these guys get it in on the back nine uh, and, and at around even or under par, they're definitely going to have a chance to uh, be in contention on Sunday, and this tournament could still be wide open because, like I said, even though Mike Weir's in the lead at four under, three under, or uh, Mike lead is not in the Mike Weir is not in the lead at uh, four under. I know we said that there weren't that many birdie holes coming up. Yeah, he picked one up on the two hundred and four yard par three fourteenth. Wow, he is now at five under par. So I mean, I know the golf course is playing fairly difficult, but I mean, if he is really dialed in, and it seems like he might be really dialed in, if he made birdie on fourteen, he's, he's three under through his first six holes of the day, par fifteen, which is a hole that's gotten some people today. I mean, the golf course is is. Not playing easy today, but if he's absolutely dialed in, I mean, you just never does, know. Well, if he does, then he's going to be at, at a huge advantage to start the second or to start the weekend. But I really don't see him like just going out and lighting it up. And and, and he should finish. He lead. should finish. He's got twelve holes left, and he's got about three hours and twenty minutes probably yeah. to get it in. So he should finish, and he will not have to be out here at seven a.m. to play two more holes whenever right. he's got a two o'clock tee time how, tomorrow how, afternoon. So. How bad would it suck to if you're about to miss the cut and have to come back and play a couple more holes? I yeah, guess it depends who you are. If you carry Cosby, you're going to be here anyway. So <laughs> might as well go out and get some get some golf in in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm in, in all honesty. Yeah, you know, if if you are gonna miss the cut, you know, why why even come back if you have a flight? You know, I just you it's know, just you have withdraw. It, it, withdraw. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, so I guess that's the only reason. But. All right, good stuff. A lot of golf to be played. We're gonna head back out to the course and watch some more of it. We'll be out here the next two days. Come say hi if you're at Southern Hills. Everybody uh, have a great and safe Memorial Day weekend. Much more golf coming from Southern Hills. Uh, thanks everybody for listening once again to the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs>